This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Hello, friends, and welcome back. Today, I will continue the series that I call As He Leads. And if you're not familiar with that series, well, I encourage you to go back and listen to previous ones where I discuss the what and the how of it. But I'll give a brief overview today as well. But before I do that, I'd like to share one quote that I came across this morning. And this quote is, Fulfillment is not a goal to achieve, but always the byproduct of sacrifice. This is very much along the lines of what I've been talking about in previous episodes. Fulfillment is not a goal to achieve, but always the byproduct of sacrifice. Amen. So much of the world today is encouraging people to pursue fulfillment, and actually fulfillment really shouldn't be a goal. Fulfillment will come as we walk in the ways of God and lay our lives down for his sake, and then we'll be fulfilled because we will be exactly in the place that the Lord wants us to be. So I'll say it one more time before I move on. Fulfillment is not a goal to achieve, but always the byproduct of sacrifice. I'll say amen to that. Uh, and that makes me think I haven't said it so far. If you have any comments or any thoughts about what I share, please do feel free to send me a note at ancientpaths at cantrell.cc. I'd love to hear your thoughts or feedback. I know we've been adding new listeners recently, and some of what I've been saying may be new to you as you listen to the things that I've been sharing. So please feel free to write if you've got any questions or comments, any thoughts, or anything you'd like me to talk about in the future. be glad to consider that as well. So, moving on to As He Leads, this is a time when I just turn on the microphone, as I've done, and I don't have any notes, I have nothing prepared, and I'll pray and see if the Lord has anything specific that He'd like me to share with my listeners today. And this is an expression of my desire to walk in what the New Testament calls the prophetic gift, the spiritual gift of prophecy, which is basically, simply, allowing the Lord to speak whatever he would like to speak and letting him use my voice to communicate what he would like to communicate. As I've said before, the word prophecy can really raise questions in people's minds. And I think in part that's because most often we think of prophecy as being very much like the Old Testament prophets, where they claim to speak the very words of God and if they ever spoke incorrectly, they were to be killed because at the time, the Holy Spirit had not been given to his people. In the New Testament, that gift is a little bit different. And it's quite easy to see what that gift is. And thankfully, God has given us quite a bit of clarity about it in the New Testament writings. And in particular, in the book of 1 Corinthians, the gift of prophecy is mentioned as one of quite a few spiritual gifts that are given to the church. Let me just read real quickly here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul says, To each one, to each person, each member of a fellowship, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So I guess I'll underline a couple of things. We are to live spiritual lives. We're to be spiritual people. And that is not only internalized. 
there are manifestations of that spiritual life. And the manifestation is merely a physical expression of that inner spiritual life, which makes sense. If we're going to be living by the Spirit, then what's in our heart is going to come up and out, and it'll come out in our words and in our actions. Not only will it affect our thought life and our spiritual life, it'll affect our physical life, our verbal life. And these gifts of the Spirit, this manifestation of the Spirit, is given to everybody who's in the church, and these gifts are given for the common good. They're given to help other people. And here Paul mentions a list of these spiritual gifts, and also in Romans and Ephesians they're listed. Here in 1 Corinthians 12, he mentions wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, speaking other languages or a language that you don't know but speaking it fluently, and to another, the interpretation of those languages. And in verse 11, Paul says, all of these different gifts, these different manifestations of our spiritual life, they're the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each person just as he determines. Amen. We're told to eagerly desire the gifts, but also they're gifts. We can't force it to happen, and we can't earn the gifts. They're not wages, they're gifts. But we are told to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. And as far as prophecy is concerned, really it's just praying and saying, Lord, do you have anything that you'd like to share with the people right now that would encourage them or bless them? And then wait, and when you get an impression, share it with others to encourage them, to build them up. And thankfully, we have a definition of the New Testament gift of prophecy. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, Everyone who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Well, there it is. A little bit later, Paul also says that we can have this spiritual gift of prophecy to instruct other people. So strengthening, encouragement, comfort, instruction. If somebody says to you something that they claim is from God, but it isn't encouraging you or strengthening you or comforting you or instructing you, then, you know, if it's full of condemnation and hatred, or if it's a word that instructs you to do something that is clearly the opposite of God's will, well, that's not the New Testament gift of prophecy. We're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 29, that in the meetings, more than one prophet would speak, and if one is speaking and another wants to speak, then the first one should sit down, and everybody should weigh carefully what is said. That's in verse 29. Weigh carefully. So as I share things with you, I encourage you, weigh very carefully what I share with you. I do not presume to have this high authority over you. You have the Holy Spirit within you, and you should weigh carefully what I say. I think now is a good time, actually, for me to share something that I heard, and I've been thinking about it. I'm not 100% sure that I'm done with my thinking about it. But I heard someone talk about media, the word media. And that word actually means something that comes between. We have a word mediate. When somebody mediates between two parties, they stand between the two parties and they help the two parties reconcile with one another. And the word media actually means between, something that is between. That helped me a lot to realize that 
when we watch a movie or when we listen to a podcast, there's a media there. There's something between me right now and you as you listen. There's technology there. There's uh, the editing process. Uh, For instance, I'm going to remove some of the pauses that I've made in this talk just so that when you listen, it'll flow better and there won't be any distractions to the message. But there's a media there, and you're not actually hearing me in reality. You're hearing me through a media. And as I've been thinking about that, I realize that God wants us to have personal, close relationships in real time with real people and not have media between us. I should not, and I don't think you should either, let podcasts or YouTube videos or anything else actually take the place of personal connections with individuals, mutual submission, and accountability If we listen to a teacher who is very good on a video setting, well, we don't know the character of that teacher. We don't know who they are. They don't really have authority in our lives. They can be good teachers, but there's still a media between us and them, and we're not relating to them in reality. It's not a real relationship. It's a mediated relationship. I'm very thankful that you're listening right now, but I encourage you, Keep having face-to-face meetings. Commit yourself to other believers around you. As it says in 1 Peter, let the Lord set you as a living stone in a community and be confident that he has put you there. And then once you're there, submit out of reverence to Christ to the people that God has set you among and be cautious about allowing mediated relationships take the place of real, personal, accountable relationships. Amen. Okay, well, with all that said, I feel like now I should go ahead and pray and see if the Lord has anything that he'd like me to share with you. Also, I know that some people will be listening to this perhaps years in the future. We trust that God holds everything in his hands, and even though I may say something that was recorded a long time ago as you listen, God can still make it fresh and quick and bring life. That's what we want. I hope that I can be a part of his work in your life to encourage you and comfort you and build you up and perhaps bring some instruction. But that's up to him. I just want to walk in that gift so that it can be applied for the common good. Amen. So, Lord, would you please uh, speak and let us hear your voice? Well, this is a little bit more specific than I'm used to. Um, The words that came into my mind pretty quickly were the fourth time. That was it. Quote, the fourth time, unquote. And um, I'll just speak as I try to discern exactly what that means. I think it may apply to somebody who has been attempting to do something, something important. Uh, I think it may be a, a a big turning point in your life, and you've tried. Uh, Amen four times already, that you're on your fourth attempt at whatever this is. And I think it may be uh, the end of a long process and you come to this point and 
it's the fourth time that you've come to this point. The three previous times did not end up the way that you were expecting or hoping or praying for. And now you're on the fourth attempt. Like I said, this is fairly specific, but I think you know that I'm talking about you if this is touching your heart. This is the fourth attempt. And the Lord, I believe, is saying, be patient. Don't despair. Don't, amen, don't let your knees become weak. Don't feel like you just need to sit down and give up. Amen. This is the fourth time, but you keep pressing on. Keep pressing on. This is not the end of the story for you. I personally don't have any sense of what the future is for you, but the word for you right now is don't despair, don't give up. And I have this feeling of knees getting weak. That's why I said, you know, don't sit down and give up. Uh, Yeah, just a weariness of feeling like you've been pushing and pushing and your legs are giving out. But the Lord is saying, don't despair. Don't be concerned about that. Keep pressing on. This is not the end of the story for you. You know, honestly, if you think this is for you, please send me a note. I'd love to hear how it works out. You don't have to give me any specifics, uh, but I'm a little bit intrigued about what the situation might be. Amen. I will say that God loves you. He's watching and he knows. And this is just me talking, though I hope I have a little bit of wisdom to help you, that the Lord never will give you more than he knows that you can handle as you walk with him. And even though this may be one of the most trying circumstances of your life, in terms of perseverance, God is building up that uh, muscle of perseverance. He's giving you a wonderful opportunity to persevere, to learn to persevere, even though you really don't know what the future outcome is going to be. You just need to keep pressing on. And God is going to strengthen you in that. And I do believe there is a word for you that you could go twice as far as you have already and you still would not be worn out. Amen. God knows you better than you know you. He knows your abilities and he knows the strengths that he's given you. And you could go twice as far. You could work twice as hard and you still would not be worn out at all. Allow God to strengthen you. Don't do it in your own strength. Uh, Amen. But go ahead and submit to him and let him strengthen you. So don't give up. I have a lot of hope for you in my heart. Amen. Another thought I had there, too, is it could be that somebody who is listening now knows someone that this word would be for. Yeah, so if you know somebody that's on the fourth round of something and the result hasn't been what they were hoping for, you can encourage them, too. Amen. Pray and see if that really is a a word that God has for your friend. Amen. Okay, Lord, do you have anything else for us? Well, the next thing is an image that came into my mind of somebody climbing a flight of stairs, and they're a broad set of stairs and pretty tall. Um, If I could guess just sort of the image that there's maybe 50 or 60 stairs in this staircase, so it's high. When you go from ground level on up, it gets pretty high. And the image that I have is of someone standing about halfway up that staircase and then stopping and turning and looking back 
over the lower half of the staircase, say. And my feeling is that somebody listening has been going through a process and you're about halfway through right now. Uh, and you know that you're about halfway through. And now's a good time to take a break, stop looking up at the top step, stop where you are, turn around and look back and reflect on and appreciate what God has done to bring you to this place. Amen. Now is a time of reflection and thanksgiving. And thanksgiving is a really important part of this. It's like taking a breath before climbing on up the rest of the staircase. Because you've done half of the staircase so far, you can be completely confident that you'll finish the rest of the staircase. The other sense that I have is that the staircase is not cluttered. Your path up is pretty clear to you. It's almost like somebody who's going through a, uh, an advanced degree, a medical degree, or, or something like that, or maybe taking some classes where you're about halfway through. And I believe the Lord wants you to take a break, stop, take a little breather, turn around. It's interesting. Almost take your eyes off the goal for a second and look back and see how far you've come, how much higher you are now than you were some time ago, and be grateful, be thankful. Have gratitude in your heart for what God has done. And the Lord wants you to know that the rest of the staircase is going to be about as easy as the previous part. There's nothing really in the way. It's just a staircase. You've got to expend the energy and take the time to get up to the top. But it's all doable, and it'll take whatever time it needs to take. So don't be anxious about what's coming. Yeah, amen. You may not, amen, you may have concerns about what will be expected of you in the future now that you're about halfway through this process. But I want to encourage you, uh, you're going to make it just fine. Don't be too concerned at all, or actually don't be concerned at all about if you'll be able to finish this climb. You will, and you're going to do it just fine. And when you get to the top, you're not even going to be worn out. You'll be pretty invigorated by uh, having completed what God has given you to complete. Amen. Also, another sense that I have in this is don't try to rush things. Go ahead and take your time. Do what you need to do at each step of the way. Don't try to rush the process because each step that you take is actually very important in preparing you for the next step. So, yeah, don't be in a hurry. And don't feel like, yeah, you're behind on a time frame that you might have imagined a few years ago. It's okay. You can let go of your concerns or anxiety about timing. It's all going to be all right. Everything's going to work out just fine for you. Amen. Amen. Okay, then let's see if the Lord has anything else. I'll be glad to share whatever he might have. Well, I feel like the Lord wants me to read and talk through the Beatitudes. And if you're in a place where you could join me in this, turn to Matthew chapter 5. This is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. It'll be very familiar to my listeners, I'm sure. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. And his disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, 
for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Well, it's remarkable, isn't it? Another translation for the word blessed is happy. <laughs> happy are the poor in spirit. Well, you really see how the kingdom of God is just so different. God's perspective on things is so very different from the world's perspective. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I imagine that some of you right now might feel that you are poor in spirit. And you know what? God gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. He gives the kingdom to the poor in spirit. Amen. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Amen. That is a saying that carries so much hope. If you're mourning, if you know somebody who is mourning, if they'll come to the Lord and rest in him, they're going to be comforted because there's so much hope in the authority of Jesus and comfort. Amen. And that also makes me think, if you know someone who is mourning, I encourage you to be the body of Christ for that person and comfort them. And it may just be as simple as sitting with them while they mourn. We don't have to fix everything, but we can love people through their sorrow and sadness. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Well, I imagine you've heard lots of discussions or teaching about what meekness is. It's not being weak. It's, um, it's a strength. It's a quiet, humble strength to be meek. I think it involves a bit of self-denial and a refusal to glorify self. And the Lord is saying, people who are meek, they're not just going to inherit their mom or dad's stuff. They're going to inherit the earth. <laughs> beautiful. I know a lot of meek believers in some countries where they are suffering terribly, and it's a beauty to think that even if they don't travel more than 100 miles from where they were born, they're going to inherit the entire earth. Well, here's a good one. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The Lord says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and everything else will be given to you as well. And he says, those of you who are hungry and thirsty for the goodness of God, the righteousness of God, the purity of God, you're going to be filled. That desire will be filled. It will not go unfilled. Amen. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Boy, if anybody listening right now is being given an opportunity to show mercy rather than to execute justice, the Lord is saying to you, you will be blessed as you show mercy, and then you will be shown mercy as well. Amen. It could be that somebody has really wronged you, and you have every right to execute judgment on them. But mercy is better, <laughs> far better. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Amen. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Yeah, think about that in another way. If we're not pure in heart, we will not see God. Lord, help me to be pure in heart. Help everyone listening to be pure in heart. And that's one thing about American culture in particular, I think. It's just not pure. There's a sense of irony or a presumption of impurity. 
much of the creative classes like to destroy purity and subvert truth. And God's people are to be pure in heart and pure in perspective. Amen. Blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called the sons of God. Amen. For me, being a peacemaker involves having one foot in each camp among the warring parties. So you may be caught between two groups or two individuals and try as much as you can to come shoulder to shoulder with both of them, even though they're butting heads. It's a blessed thing to be a peacemaker. And that puts us firmly in the family of God. Amen. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. There are, I dare say, millions of people right now on the face of this earth who are being persecuted because of righteousness, because they are choosing to walk in the ways of God and live a life that is in accordance with the will of God. And people around them, people in authority or just family members even, will persecute them because of that. And that persecution can take many different forms. It's not necessarily martyrdom to be killed for faith. I've known missionary families who, in obedience to God's will, moved to another country with their families. And then their own parents begin to give them a very hard time about the supposed damage that's being done to the children and they're being persecuted because they are acting in the ways of God. They're acting in obedience. Amen. This makes me think that the world is not righteous at all. There isn't any of God's righteousness in this fallen, decaying world. Anything that's good comes from him, but the world is rotten and needs to be saved. We are to be people of the light, people who walk in God's ways, in contrast to the ways of the world. And amen. The Lord says that when we do that, we actually enter into the kingdom of heaven. Will God allow his people to suffer? Would God allow his own chosen people to be persecuted? Well, absolutely, of course. <laughs> That's probably one of the main lessons of the scriptures, is that when people walk in his ways, they're persecuted. They get a hard time. That is, I guess, a pathway, a way of receiving the kingdom fully through persecution. The Lord said, the world is going to hate you, and you're going to have trouble in this world. He said it very clearly, so <laughs> let's be prepared for that. Amen. And let's try not to surround ourselves only with people who make us feel good. Let's be willing to step out boldly into this world, just in the same way that Jesus did, fearlessly bringing the truth knowing that most will reject the truth or persecute us, but God is there to save, to save people who will listen to him and come to him. And I'll finish up here in verse 11. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. God's ways are not our ways. He says, rejoice, be happy. Be happy, why? Because there's a really good reward coming in heaven, an eternal reward when we are insulted and persecuted and people lie about us because we are followers of Jesus. Amen. Let's be that people that would walk with him and joyfully bear insults and persecutions. Amen. Boy, 
God help us to live that life. All right, let me see if there's anything else that God has for us today. So the phrase came to mind, this is easy. <laughs> That's funny. You know how when you get into something and you start doing, you go, oh, this is easy. Well, I think this word is for someone who's in a spot like that in life. You've just stepped into something or you're in the middle of something and you're going, this is easy. And actually, the Lord wants to um, give a little bit of a warning to you that it's not going to be quite as easy as you think it is. Uh, certainly, I've been involved in things where I got started on something and I thought, oh, this is not too bad. I thought it was going to be worse. And then I get this false expectation that it actually is going to be easy. And then I get frustrated when it gets hard. I think somebody listening right now, you might have even said this phrase or had this thought, uh, this is easy or this is easier than I thought it would be. And the Lord is telling you, stiffen yourself, brace yourself and be prepared for the hardness that's coming. It's going to be a lot more difficult than where you are right now. So don't get a false sense of security. Mm, and amen, don't get a false sense of pride where you say, oh, this is easy, I can handle this. And God is not involved in it at all. You're going to need God's strength to help you get through the hardness that's coming. And I'll say something really hard is coming to you. Be prepared to let go of your expectations. Be prepared to accept the hardness of it but God will give you the strength to get through it. He will teach you good, eternal lessons through the hardness of what is coming. Fear not. Don't be alarmed. Don't be anxious, but prepare yourself. Amen. God has a plan. He has his own ways, and his ways are good. They're always really, really good, um, and sometimes they're pretty hard. So, amen, this is a lesson for all of us, actually. So much of the world wants to drive us to choose the easy way. Well, the Lord talked about that. Broad is that easy path. Many take it, and it leads to destruction. And there's a narrow way, a very limited way that we need to walk, and that is the path of life, eternal life. Let's not try to find the easy way out of things. Let's live the life that God gives us fully, realizing that oftentimes obedience is going to lead us into places of self-sacrifice, self-denial, death to self. And of course, death to self always hurts. If it didn't hurt, it wouldn't be death to self. It reminds me of something a pastor friend of mine said a long time ago. Submission always hurts. If it doesn't hurt, it's not submission. And that has stuck with me because the Lord wants us to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ and be accountable to others and certainly submit to the Lord as he guides us on our path and shows us the way that he would have us walk in. We need to submit. And there are times when that submission really, really hurts. Amen. That's a good word for all of us. Also, I want to encourage my listeners to walk in the gifts that God has given you. Don't be consumers, be producers. The scriptures say that God gives each one of his people these manifestations of his spirit for the common good. So be active in living out these gifts that God has for you. He loves the people around you, and he's given you a place of influence. It may be a small circle of people. 
It may be a larger circle of people where you have influence. It doesn't matter. That's up to him. But we need to be people who are faithful with whatever he gives us and know that he'll trust us with more. If you would love to have this gift of prophecy, then I encourage you, do what I did, which is say, Lord, I want it. Your word says that I should eagerly desire this gift, so I do. Now would you begin to work in my life in such a way that I can walk in it? We don't have to learn how to walk in the gifts so that we'll please God and can abide in him better. No, no, it's the other way. We abide in him and love him, and then that's the way that these gifts will flow. That is the process by which God puts these gifts into action, is that we abide in him. And then there's a manifestation of the Spirit that he has given us. So, again, I encourage you, pray. Go into your quiet place and ask the Lord to start working in your life in such a way that you would walk in whatever spiritual gift that he has for you so that you can be a blessing to the people around you. Amen. Well, until next time, friends, I pray that you will continue to seek out the ways of God because his ways are always good and they always lead to rest for our souls. Amen. Jesus said to his disciples, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Thank you for listening, and God bless you all. Thank you.